0: Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I got a good message for today. This week, I was halfway through a message and I redirected what I was going to preach. Now, that's not always the best route. That's not always the most efficient it puts a little more stress on your week, but one thing that I've learned in the course of my life is to be obedient to what God is leading me to rather than what I perceive or what I think. So this morning, I hope this word really encourages you. Um, I think for the season of where we're at as a church, uh, the place that we're at as believers, I think it's critical. So if you want to give this message a title, the, the title is, What Are You Doing, God? Because I feel like a lot of us have been rattled, we've been shaken, we've been put in a configuration that we might not have liked, if you have liked your home, quarantine, silent, my house has not been anything near silent, you know, it's been nuts, you know, like, you think of the close proximity, you think of the families being together, learning to do school together, you know, and, you know, because they're telling us we have to, not because we want to, that wasn't a choice we made, it was, it was a state, you know, it was almost really like a world mandate, but there are seasons that we go through in our lives where I think we question God. Have you ever, done, have you ever been there and said, God, what are you doing? I know you're good, I know you're faithful, but I don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it. So sometimes we don't we question God and we don't understand what He's doing in our life and through our life until the season is over. It seems like after a hard season, we look back and we see what God is doing and we say, man, we see your faithfulness. We see your goodness to us. Oh, you know, it's like the light bulb is turned on, and now we see what God has done. So the fastest way to get to where God wants you to be is learn the lesson that he has for each of us during the season we're in, practice of immediate obedience, even when we don't understand the reason. Okay? So how many of you have ever had a child that responds with the question, why? You ever been there? My kids have actually been very gracious to me, but the example usually goes like this. You know, son, it's time to go to bed, but why? Because I said so, but why? Because it's late, but why? So at that moment, I get the belt, and the belt does the speaking. That's just how it works. You know, I'm the parent, I said so, end of discussion. We're not in a debate. Well, sometimes the same perception of asking the question why, but we have to, we have to understand the motive of asking the question why. Because I believe if the answer, the reason we're asking the question is to better understand is fine. But most of the time as a child, why are they asking questions? To prolong or avoid what they're being asked to do. It has nothing to do with the instruction. So when we look at this, asking God the question why is okay when our motives are right, when we're wanting to understand what God is doing and saying rather than just trying to get out of what He is asking us to do. You know, I think of many stories in the Bible, you know, oh, I don't want to do that. Ah, that's not a good plan. Are you sure? I don't know if I want to do that. You see this this emotional roller coaster of, of following God and ask, but Lord, wouldn't it be better if, and God usually, I mean, there were a few times where God changed his mind, but for the most part, when God gave a specific instruction, he wanted immediate obedience exactly like he wanted it. So we have to understand that. So, you know, the Israelites, for example, you know, God, he was, they were God's chosen people redeemed out of Egypt, and God wanted them to understand that uh, what he was doing, you know, he wanted them to know him for a personal God, okay? So we have to understand that they were rescued out of Egypt as God's chosen people. A miraculous moment, you know, so, you know, the, how many of you know the closest way to get to your destination is a straight line? It's from point A to point B. And then you can take the long way around, you can take the scenic route, you can go in a route where you feel like it was forever to get there, okay? But if we look at the people of Israel, what did it say? It says their, their, their journey could have been shorter. If you actually look at a map, where they were going was right, you know, where they were starting from was here and the promised land was here. Well, on that map, if you've ever looked at it, it actually treks all the way down, and they go in Mount Sinai, and they go down to the bottom. And then at some point, you know, after a bunch of years, they make their way back up. So it should have never taken that long, but God took them the long way around. So the closest way to get to your destination is always a straight line. But let's look at Exodus 13, 17 through 18. This is what God said. He said in verse 17, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. So who did not lead them that way? God didn't lead them that way. Now, I'm sure they were scratching their head. If anybody looked at that map before they left, said, hey, uh, we're going the wrong direction. Why are we going this way when we need to go that way? But God have a, had a specific plan. He knew the motives of the heart. And he, and he specified, he says, you know, he took them through this road of the Philistine country, though it, though it was... Um, that they took them the long way around. It says, "For God said, if they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt." So God led the people around by the desert and towards the Red Sea. So what we see here is God was taking them to a place outside of their familiar territory. How many of you know when you're when you're? You, how many of you like to stay familiar and comfortable in what you're used to? I think that's just human nature. A lot of us like to be comfortable. We want to know what our schedule looks like. We want to know what our weekend looks like. If you've ever had to work unscheduled overtime, that totally goes against the law of structured life. Your workplace can mess up your life very quickly, especially if you have weekend plans, and they say, hey, by the way, aren't you so excited to work this weekend? said, nobody, right? You know, it's not a good thing. It was something that was unscheduled. Knowing our schedule, knowing what was planned. So, two things are critical for arriving at our destination the rate in which we travel and the route we take to get there. Okay? So, the route that God took them was the long way around. So, my take on what God's plan was in all of this was that, you know, He would continue to encourage and guide them, and that, you know, He wanted wanted them to follow Him. He wanted to draw a relationship because they, he, was, they were, he was pulling them out of their familiar. You know, when they, were in the, um, when they were in Egypt, they provided meals, but they were in slavery. You know, so you think about going back to slavery. Now, I know that's something we don't really necessarily connect with, but in a sense of being locked in your home, telling you have to stay home, say you can only do essential things. That is a kind of a good, like, what does it mean to, you're going to do what people tell you to do even if you don't like it. Right? You know, so that's what, you know, that, that's the difference between slavery versus freedom. You know, as soon as they release this mandate and, you know, God willing, in a few weeks, we'll get back to where we, are, we have some normal interaction with people that we're able to free, go free and do what we want. It's not that we're doing bad things, it's just we're limited in what we can do. You know, so when you talk about being a slave or being free, you're free to do whatever you want, whatever's in your heart. So I believe that, you know, during this time that God used this separation of the corporate church gathering to encourage us how to change how we do church. If our ultimate goal is to come back and do things just like we've always done them, I believe we've missed the whole point. Okay, so we have gotten really, really good at doing church. Um, some of the things we've been working through as a church is, you know, we've been streaming live, so we had cameras. We we had stuff everywhere in here. Actually, we had to clean up because y'all were showing up this morning. We had to we had to redirect cameras. We had to put things differently. We had to adjust the lighting. We had to stretch the stage back out. You know, there was a lot of things that we had to do. But we've gotten really, really good week by week, doing a better, better job doing church, but there's always more to it. Answering the question, why are we doing what we're doing? I'll tell you what, we have reached more people doing this streaming than I've ever seen. This last week, we had 75 new likes on our Facebook page, and for some of you who know what that means, that's a lot, like, you know, because most people have already liked your page that know you, but as I was looking at that list of people that have liked our page, I know none of them. It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That means we are expanding beyond our, our relationships that we know of, and we are reaching out to those people who we have really no relationship with yet. So we see by what we're doing changes what we've always done. Would we have ever done these streaming? Would we have ever had to change? Would we have ever done all of these things if something catastrophic would have not happened? Now I hope so, but God has is really really good at using situations and circumstances to change the configuration of how the church sits. So if your mindset has been, well, I'm just ready to get back to normal. Man, by the grace of God, it will never be like it used to be. But it can be better. It can be sweeter. We can be further reaching. We can be more connected than we ever have. We're never, ever, ever going to take the church for granted again because we we couldn't come, and now we're so excited to be back. All of these things change. You know, it's just like, you know, I asked Becky, you know, last week she actually came to church with me. That's the first time she's been. But I get home and said, hey, how was it? How was the morning? They're still in their PJs. Breakfast is still on the table. I'm dressed. I'm all nice because we had to come and, you know, film a service. You know, but we are able to do so much more when we get outside the familiar of our own comfort box. And I believe that God is wanting us to continually think that way. So, what God wants us to do, instead of just doing church, he wants us to thrive in relationship with us, and relationships with each other. Our relationship should be thriving. You know, and I know it's been difficult. We say, Well, I haven't seen that person. I haven't been come, I haven't been able to come to church on Sunday. Listen, if we remove the Sunday morning service from the equation, we should still be able to thrive as the church of God. Do you hear that? Now, I don't want to, (laughs) and I don't think it's a part of God's plan, but we should still be able to thrive. So if maybe during this time you said, man, I've just really backslidden or I haven't read the word like I should have during this time, you you know, I don't know what the deal is. It's a personal walk with God. It has nothing to do with me. You know, if if you are thriving just on me encouraging you on Sunday mornings and gathering together and that's all you are surviving on, you're missing how the equation should work. Monday, you should be digging into the Word. Tuesday, you should be digging into the Word. Wednesday, if you're feeling lonely, you need to call somebody. By Thursday, you need to be already worshiping. Put on a worship song if you're a musician. Worship within your home. You know, by then, you, maybe you should have been already talking to your family about, hey, let's have a devotional. I mean, this family dynamic, God has caused it to be all in our face. But so many of us are what? Ready to just get back to the familiar. You know, I know some parents are going bonkers nuts having their kids at home and having to be teachers and having to work. And, and man, I, I pray God gives them grace because I can't imagine working a job that I have to work all day long, come home, hopefully my kids did the work and they're, you know, keeping up with everything they're doing. You know, but it's, it's, it's caused the family dynamic to either begin to thrive or to be challenged. Now, I'm hoping you've grown through this. You figured out, you know, man, I'm around my kids a whole lot more. I better get to like them. You know, I mean, like, you know, you know I think, you know, As and don't take this the wrong way, guys, but I mean, I think fathers, we work, so we come home and we're not having to be around them that much, you know, and the wives are there all day pulling their hair out, freaking out from that moment, you know, and, you know, that has been the normal familiar, but I hope in this season you have been more of an active father than you've ever been in your life, because I really believe that's what God is calling each of us to, to be involved in the lives of our families. Are there times that I fall short? Absolutely. Are there times that my wife takes a lead, and they're in the bedroom doing a devotional, and I show them, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Dad failure. We're doing our devotions. Like, oh, I guess I should be a part of that, and I go sit on the bed. You know, just painting a real true picture of that. I don't always hit the mark either, but we have to be more intentional. I can't lead the church and not lead my family, guys. It has to be a principle that's practiced within our homes, just like we are practicing it in the church. I think somebody needed to hear that this morning. So one of the things, God wants us thriving in our relationship with Him, and He wants us to become disciples and to also make disciples. So we have to understand that being a disciple is a pursuit of becoming more and more like Christ. It is an active follower of Christ. We don't just experience a salvation experience and then just sit down and say, All right, I made it to heaven. That's it. That was never part of what God wanted true Christianity to be like. He wanted it to be an igniting of passion and excitement and zeal for the Lord. And you, you grow in all of your understanding of who Jesus is. One of the best ways you can do that is this book. You read it. You meditate on it. You chew on it. You look at it. You think about it all of the time. And that causes us to change the way we think. When we change the way we think, you know, a lot of those times it will change the way we act. Okay? It changes. It, it's just It filters out the ugly and pours in the good. So this whole idea, it's so much more than just Sundays. So growth is guaranteed when we respond in the correct way and learn the lesson that God is is desiring to show us. Any of you guys ever not learned the lesson quick enough? And God said, okay, one more time. And you're like, yes, I weaseled out. He's going to move on. And God says, nope, one more time. He's super adamant about teaching us a lesson. So understand this, it says, it took the Israelites three months to make it to Mount Sinai. That's in Exodus 19.1. Check this out. It took 39 years and six months to finally make it to the promised land. Now something happened between Mount Sinai and the time that they got to the promised land. There was a complete, utter breakdown. Now there was some productive times. You think of the law of Moses and all of these things that happened. There. You know, there was a few profitable years but there was a lot of wasted years because people could not figure out and could not turn and, and, and adjust from, what they, from the familiar to what God was wanting to do in the newness. i me tell you a story about a trip that I went on with Jim Giles. If you live that trip, you know what I'm talking about. So, you know, when we talk about taking the long way around, so this sounds like a, like a men's camping trip that I had the opportunity to go on with Jim, Jim Giles. You know, the de- destination was not far but the trip was far from direct. You know, I didn't, I didn't know where I was going. I remember I came off of graveyard, so I slept for about an hour in the back seat and got up said, "When?" looked around, I was like, where are we going? I mean, we would take a left, and then we would take a left, and then we would take a right, and then we'd take a left, and I said, this guy's getting us lost. I said, you know where you're going? Yeah, I know where I'm going. I said, all right. I mean, I'm in the truck with you, and I'm not driving myself, so as long as you get me to where we're going. So a trip that should have taken three and a half hours to get there literally took all day long. You know, so at that point, everyone's frustrated. I don't really care. It's my weekend. I'm just relaxing. But so, so here's what happened. The problem with the long trip wasn't that. What was that? We didn't know that the point of the trip was to slow down and take it easy. All of us men, we were were determined, let's get to camp, let's set up, let's get ready. We were determined to get to our destination, but the whole motive of the trip was to slow down, relax, and take it easy. If we would have known that going into it, man, we would have offered so much more grace. So let me share a little bit more. I'm not going to give names. Of, of, of some of these individuals. But, you know, to be driving, you know, going in the woods, you know. So we went to a state park. So we're, we're cruising, and, you know, Jim Jolly, you know, he's just talking. You know, sees see some turkeys on the side or deer with something on the side, and the guys behind us, I don't think I was with them, but I heard the story. They said he was gripping us, and we go, no, Jim, don't stop. Don't stop right there. Let's go. We got to get there. He pulls over. Man, he is stopping. We don't need to look at these stupid turkeys, you know, so determined to get to the destination that he missed the scenery. (laughs) He missed, he missed all of God's creation to his left and to his right, but because the focus was wrong, didn't know that the whole motive was to slow down and take it easy and just relax, to remove all stress, to allow anxiety to leave. But we didn't know that. We were so frustrated You know, I didn't even know where we were on the map, but when I rode back and all we did from the state park was go about three miles and get on the freeway and come straight home, I knew we took the long way around because it literally took all day long. You know, so I think, you know, this story, you know, we don't really know everything that happened with the Israelites in that time. We like to say, well, if they would have done this, well, if we would have done, if they would have done that. But how do we know we wouldn't have responded the exact same way and been frustrated with God rather than learning what He wanted to show us? You know, we got to be careful when we make those judgments against other people. Well, maybe they should have. Hey, judge yourself. Are you responding to the things that God is doing in this season of your life in a way that's healthy, that is going to move you to the next season, that is going to allow you to learn what you need to learn in this season of your life? So just like, the, just like this story, the Israelites, God wanted to slow them down and get to know them. He provided and He prepared every step of the way. But most of the Israelites just were not having it. They were more concerned with their rights rather than surrendering to the rights of God. They wanted what they wanted. Have any of you during this moment maybe have felt like in the separation shouting, I have rights, don't you understand? You can't tell me to, you know, which teach their own. I don't know if you stayed in your home or if you didn't. I tried to be good the best I could and, and keep my sanity. I distanced myself as much as I, you know, psychologically could. I know towards the tail end of it, you know, we were all getting really stir crazy and said, man, we can't do this much longer. We're going to freak out because we're built for relationship. We're built for people. We're not built to live life alone. I love my family to death, but there's other relationships that we need in our life to thrive and we weren't getting those. You know, they grumbled, they complained much like some of us did during this mandatory shelter in place. You know, some even said it would have been far better if we never left Egypt. Can you think about that? God was providing manna every single day. He was leading them. He was guiding them. He was showing them his power. He was taking them to a place, a promised land, flowing with milk and honey. A promised land like no other. He was moving them forward, not backwards, or returning to what was familiar. Realize that? I think the whole time, you know, the people were kind of going and they're like, Phew. you know, it was better It was better over here than where you're taking me. But they missed the point of what God was wanting to do, and it cost them 40 years of their life. So all of their needs were met during this time of wandering. You know, same with me. You know, I, I can truly say I didn't go hungry during this uh, isolation. Now, the two, two main inconveniences for me was probably, you know, the lack of toilet paper and haircuts. But at some point, my wife pulled out her haircutting skills and trimmed it up. You know, I mean, so, so really, it wasn't that bad. But, I mean, I think we blow things out of, out of proportion rather, rather easy. We really, really had it pretty good. But we don't know everything that happened to the Israelites. But only God knows the heart. Same with us. There was, but there was something that prevented and delayed them from entering into the promised land. Numbers 14, 22 through 24. This is God's response to someone and a people that did not respond correctly. Numbers 14, 20 through, 22 through 24. It says, Not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who obeyed me and, and tested me ten times. Now, some people say God doesn't keep track. He did that time. He said ten times, these suckers. <laughs> ten times. He says ten times. Not one of them will ever see the land I have promised on oath to their forefathers. No one ha- who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. So the promise got removed because their heart wasn't right. They did not understand the season that they were in, and it caused them receiving everything that God had for them in the future. Now, verse 24, this is where there's a little bit of uh, goodness in this this passage. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me, uh, learn the law wholeheartedly. I I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. So the biggest phrase that you see with Caleb's life was, he had a different spirit about him. He was in the same configuration, he was in the same situation, he was in the exact same season. But it says that he had a different spirit. He held to his faith. He wasn't driven by emotion, he wasn't you know, driven by the hardship, the difficultiness of it. He had a different spirit about him. So we, have to resp- we can't respond like the majority of the Israelites. We have to respond like Caleb. We have to have a different spirit about us in amongst a time of chaos. Otherwise, where is our faith? If our lives and our responses look just like the world, we're missing something, guys. We should be able to stand strong in amongst the storm. We should stand strong when the winds blow to the left and the right. Not easily swayed by the things of this world. Deuteronomy 31, 12 through 13. This should be our response. Deuteronomy 31, 12 through 13. It says, assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the aliens. These are the visitors in your area, in your community, living in your town so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all of the words of the law. They're children who do not know the law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. As long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So we have to see what happened. There was a complete death of a whole generation. There was a whole nother generation that was raised in the desert, in the wandering, that didn't know the things of God because they were born in that 40 years. But it says, take these people that don't know, that weren't raised, that didn't see the miracles, that weren't slaves in Egypt, and teach them who I am. Show them my laws, show them who I am, show them my goodness. Allow them to stand strong on who I am as they go possess the land. So there are some of us in this room that have seen the mighty hand of God. We've seen miracles, we've seen signs, we've seen wonders in our life. But if our children are not instructed and taught and learned about the things of God, they they may forsake the faith rather than be established upon it. It's our responsibility but we're going to that place. We're going to possess the land. But it's our responsibility to, so that they hear it and that they learn to fear the Lord. Now, this is a reverent fear. This is a holy fear. This isn't like running away from God. But this is really seeing him as one of the most, utmost important gods or people in their life. Just like they respect me and my wife, they should be respecting God. Where if God says it, they do it. No questions asked. So just like the people of Israel, we have to see and understand that God is wanting us to learn during this season in the life of the church. We have to remember you know, that we are the bride of Christ, and to properly love Him, we must honor and revere God. So as a husband is calls, called to lead the family, we must allow God to lead us. It's that same model, that same, that same biblical model. So we, we, can't, we can't be like children, the children of Israel that didn't know Him. But it would be much better to seek Him and to know Him and be known by Him that we would pursue true relationship. And I think, you know, this morning, evaluate, you know, has your relationship been closer to God or has it been further from God? If you feel like you've drifted away from God, what has been the variables of that? Some of it may have been Sunday mornings, you, you, that's what caused you to thrive. It encouraged you, kind of jump-started you so you could make it through the week. But can we, could we learn to thrive without a Sunday morning service? We need to learn. You know, our, our corporate gathering should just be one piece of the big picture of the pie. It shouldn't be the all-inclusive, well, if I don't go to church on Sunday, I'm not going to be saved. Man, I hope that's not what you believe. Right, or that's, what you, that's, that's not your, your lifeline that is keeping you afloat. I believe that God will continue to allow you to ride the merry-go-round of life as long as you want. But the sooner you learn the lesson, the sooner you can get off. Everybody knows what a merry-go-round is? You young kids know what a merry-go-round is? Yeah? I don't know if they're still around. My second illustration was a treadmill. I so said, I know there's still treadmills around. I don't know if they got rid of the merry-go-rounds because all of us kids almost killed ourselves on them. But I know there's some around. But God will allow us to continually go around and around and around, and we got to learn that lesson. You're spinning a mile a minute, but you're not going anywhere. Man, I think I've seen this before. I think I've seen this before. You keep spinning around, and you're like, man, why can't I get off? Learn the lesson that God wanting to show you in this season of your life, and then God will move you on to the next one. I believe that this statement from Jesus is a life model. Luke twenty-two, forty-two. 42, it says, Yet not my will, but your will be done. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what I want, God, but may your perfect will be done, God. We must surrender our mind, our will, and our emotions. You know, we've got we to surrender what we think. We've got to surrender what we do. We've got to even surrender how we feel. Well, i got feelings. I should be able to express those. Man, they need to be yielded to the Spirit of God. You can't allow every emotion to just come out and do whatever you want. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you can do what you want. All of those areas got to be yielded to the Spirit of God. What you think, what you do, how you feel. they got to be submitted to God. You know, the soulish part of us must be forced into submission to the obedience of Christ. 1 Corinthians 9.27, this was Paul's response. He said, no, I beat my body and I make it a slave. I bring it into submission so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So, you know, it would be a shame to lead many people to the Lord, but yet lose your own salvation. What would be the point of that? Everybody's going into the Golden Gates. All right, Paul, see you later. That would make no sense, right? So it's saying make sure that your relationship with the Lord is intact. Make sure that you hold yourself accountable. So our reward from the Lord, you know, we have to understand the reward is on the other side of this lifetime. There may be very few things that you see in this life, but in the life to come is where all the glory remains and where all our deposits of what we've done here on the earth will be stored up in heaven a heavenly reward, we have to understand that that is continual fellowship and being in the presence of God forevermore. Today we've come to the place, you know, we have to come to the place of trusting God in every season of our life. We have to know that He is good, that He is perfect, and that He is right. That He is good, that He is perfect, and that He is right. When God tells you to do something, you're going to figure out real quick if you believe those three things. Because if you think that he's not good, well, God, well, that's not my, that's not best for me. Don't you care about my family? Don't you care about my security? Well, if he's good, he'll never lead you into something that is not right. And if he's right, then he's gonna. You know, you have to understand. These really paint the perception of how we see God. That he's good, he's perfect, and he's right. You know, if we can see the hand of God in difficult seasons of our life, then we can make it through those difficult seasons. So today in closing, I want to ask each of you, what has God shown you during this time of solitude? I mean, you've probably heard some of the stuff that God has been showing me as it comes out in my message, but what has God told you? What has God showed you? What is God leading you personally to? You know, as we've, even as we've separated from these corporate gatherings. How many of you know, you know, it has allowed a lot of mental thought time. And some of us, maybe we've just iced our brains. We haven't really engaged. We haven't paid attention to what God is doing. We're just kind of finding the next Netflix season and binge watching the whole thing in one day. Me and Becky tried that for a little while. We ran out of things to watch. You know, I'm talking about excessive amount of time, guys. What has God been speaking to you? What has God shown you in this time of solitude? You know, if you have not really sought the Lord during this time, it is not too late. You can't say, oh, well, I missed it. We're back to church. Eh, I guess I missed it. No, you still have a moment to receive all that God is, is, at, is wanting to speak to you. So the word, of, the word of God, you have to understand that, you know, This is what the Word of God says. It says that His sheep hear His voice and not another will they listen to, for they are His. John 10, 27. You know, I had a good buddy of mine. You know, man, it was a super awesome moment. You know, because there's times that you just plan to go eat or you just plan to hang out and then God does something in that moment. But I was talking with an individual you know, And he mentioned, he said, man, you know, Noe, I don't know if I have really ever heard the voice of God. I said, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean you've never heard the voice of God? Now, I'm not talking about in an audible way, like you hear me speaking, but I'm talking about that still, small voice. And then I encouraged him to reflect. I said, listen, my sheep hear my voice. Are you a sheep? Yeah, I've served the Lord a large portion of my life. He says, then you hear I says, now you've been deceived by the enemy believing that you cannot hear the voice of God. Or you have to have a pastor, you have to have a prophet, or you have to have somebody speak on the Lord's behalf. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Every believer has the ability as a sheep, as one of his own, to hear the voice of God this morning. But some of us have believed that that's that's not for me, or I've been too bad, or I've done too many horrible things. God wouldn't speak to me. God will never contradict His word. But he says, my sheep hear my voice and not another will they listen to because they are mine. They are mine. He speaks to the sheep and he defends the sheep. So this morning, uh, I'm going to pray two things over you and I'm going to ask God on your behalf two things. First and foremost, that you would know and understand what God is wanting you to do in your life in this next season and in this season. In the here and now, And where is he leading you to? And then secondly, that your ears would be truly open to the voice of God. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.